Okay, welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. I was up very early this morning, so saying that all in one go, that was that was a challenge, but we made it. It's been Thanks, a long day for you already. It's still morning over here, so. Yeah, you've got it all ahead of you. you got your whole day ahead of you. Episode 21, legally enough, old enough to drink. I'm uh, making tea. Yes, at least here anyway, so. Yeah, here we are. We and there, there, there we go. Uh, welcome everybody, listeners, old, new. This is a, a podcast that we started about almost half a year ago now, right? Uh, yeah, like March, something like that. My God, how young we were. Anyway, innocent and naive. Yes, I am a, a fresh-faced young scamp named uh, Dylan Murphy, who was just uh, handed in his thesis not too long ago. John has almost finished his. It's true. It's true. Nearly there. We are. We are. We're. 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 We're very close. Uh, so, friends, we're on to. Uh, oh, we're going to start with our, our lick of the week. And uh, oh, John, I yes. believe it's my turn to. Yes. Yes. Quite so, let's see, lick of the week. Here we go. Oh yeah. Yes. I love this one. <laughs> Great. No, don't stop. Don't stop. Ah, okay. Um, Guthrie Govan, or Govan, mm-hmm. uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. So, Guthrie, tweeted us. Tell us how to pronounce your name. We yeah. don't know. Come, come on the show and tell us how to pronounce your name. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. So Guthrie Govan, Govan, Govan. Um, now is this this is waves, isn't it? This is waves. Well done. All right, huzzah! Yeah, such a great lick. This guy is uh, one of my one of my favorites. But and this is off his Erotic Cakes album. So absolutely fantastic Simpsons reference there. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, Erotic exactly. Cakes. He does kind of have sideshow Bob hair, you know. He does. <laughs> yes. So I think I think that's uh, yeah. uh, one of the the best players out there right now, um, in terms of just like sheer versatility and uh, mastery of the instrument. Not that there's loads of other fantastic players, but um, I just I, I think he's he's definitely up there. You know, in my in my mind, I think he's one of the best. Yeah, one of like top five. If I had to pick top five, he would easily be in that top five. Oh. Big words. Big words. Them's fighting words. a regular man. Anyway. Them, yeah. Them's our fighting words. Uh, yes, uh, Waves, I don't know a lot about... Uh, I, one thing that really appeals to me is he doesn't really seem to have much of an ego about his playing. He's really good, but he yeah. doesn't. He's kind of like, like Paul Gilbert. He's... Um, from, from everything I've heard, he's kind of this... He's... D- yeah, he's not really capable of it, I suppose, because he just isn't paying attention to everything around him. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> he's always thinking about playing guitar. Yeah, I've heard that's kind of where, where his brain's at. So this is kind of like a, a, a Dylan double whammy episode in that uh, I am going to be telling you my money, no object pedalboard. Ooh, is, uh, I'm excited. John, do you want to remind, you want to remind the, uh, the listeners what our our procedure was last week? Yeah. So uh, our pedal board challenge this time is 
money is no object. So you can pick anything, but you only get four pedals and one has to be, what, what was it? One has to be a delay? One has to be an overdrive and one has to be a delay. Right, okay. That's cool. it. That's then, it, okay. I, 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 think that's, I think that's it. So beyond that, you know, money is no object and you can go from there. So I'm expecting big things from you, Mr. Murphy. Big things from a regular to small man. Okay, well, uh, for our uh, overdrive, I'm going to go with a pedal that I've seen on a number of boards, increasing number of boards, even though it's very expensive. Uh, I'm going for the Analog Man King of Tone. Oh, tell me about this. Why uh, did you this, pick that one? I picked this because it seems to... It's got a lot of knobs. It's got like six knobs to adjust. It's uh, you basically you can kind of do everything with it. Uh, it's kind of like classic rock. You can do a bit of blues, a bit of shoegaze. Uh, it's it's really rare as well. And I know on our on this show we're basically talking about well, it's mine and money's no object. Uh, yeah. They started about knew their the bones of five hundred euro. Wow. Overdrive, which is wow. Awesome. Yeah, so you've got you've got you've got a lot going on there. But I've been looking at demos, and I didn't hear of it until ages ago. Until I saw one on a uh, Ariel Posen's board. Yeah, and I was like, "What is that?" Because it was on basically every incarnation of his board, and I was like, "What is that?" So yeah, it's a it's it's a beautiful beautiful pedal. Uh, it's uh, analog man. I don't know anything right. about them, but it's a it's a very it's very popular apparently, like the Grail. The Holy Grail, but Holy not Grail. the Holy Grail. That's a pedal by Electro Harmonics. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> no overlapping trademarks. Um, for my delay, I'm gonna go. We've we've talked about delay before. And what did you pick last week, John? Right? I picked oh, you the picked the timeline. An easy, time. comfortable one to go with. It's not. Yeah, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I wasn't able to pick that one. So I have picked the uh, the flashback X. And I, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's really nice. I've played flashbacks before. I really like TC. Mm -hmm. uh, if everybody will remember about my budget board before, I uh, picked another TC pedal for that, for my delay. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm going, this has everything. It has the tap. It has four different uh, pedal, like, what am I Knobs to kind of choose from. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you can do everything from ping pong to space. And the thing is, it's not that expensive. It's it's got uh, it's, it's about a better two hundred and fifty dollar price tag, I believe. That's that's not bad. <laughs> now, why would you go with that instead of say the Nova Delay? Ooh, I don't know. I I think it's 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 mostly kind of a brand thing. I haven't been exposed to that many delays, but all the TC stuff that I played, I really liked. Um, I have a Boss DD6, as we both know, right. and the one thing that made me pick that over the flashback, the regular flashback, was the tap tempo setting, which I really okay. enjoy. Yeah, but check this out. One has the, this one has the tap tempo, so basically got everything, and, and it's a looper as well. Oh, okay, that's right, that's right. So the, the Nova delay is TC Electronics, like their fancy all-in-one box delay. Uh, yeah, the digital one, but yeah, it doesn't have a looper, so that was kind of the clincher for me. I see. That's that's a good call. So you're kind of doubling pedal duty. I think I did that yeah. last week. I had the um, I was using my compressor as a clean boost. 
So God, we're so we're so sly. Yes. Uh, the, the next pedal <laughs> uh, I was thinking of. Uh, Listeners, in a few weeks, we are going to have a very special guest. I think we can unveil. We did interview her last night. Yes. Um, we had a Nilly Brush uh, on, uh, Lady Shredder extraordinaire. Yeah, I, I think, again, one of, uh, one of the top guitar players in the world right now. So um, if you don't know who she is, definitely look her up because she is a monster guitar player. And she was super nice as well. But for about, I'd say about three or four minutes, we collectively gushed over the the EP booster, <laughs> and uh, that I, I'll have to say uh, that 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 is my that is my choice. They are on adverts, which is where I would normally go looking for a lot of pedals. They are like gold dust; and they never stay up for long. Really, really nice. Uh, John, you said that one of your buddies has two EP boosters on his board. Yeah, actually, there's a, a friend of mine. And then uh, I've seen it. I've seen a couple of people do that. Do this where they'll put two on their board and they'll keep one always on because um, that's your always on pedal. And then uh, you, he's he's got another one that he uses to actually use as a boost pedal. So wow, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's just the warmth. It's just it's, I, yeah. I hate using that word, but it's warm. Well, it, it is. I know. It's like it's like vintage vinyl, man. The both that and their RC booster, um, and I've seen people do the same thing with the RC booster. I have an RC booster. It just, it's just great pedal. I don't know what exotic puts into their stuff. It's some sort of like unicorn juice. It just <laughs> makes makes these pedals sound so good. It's okay, got that really so that, nice seventies tone. That's number uh, next- three. Your last one then. Yeah, number it's th- a wah. my last one. Number four. Uh, it is not a wah. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> was I thinking of including a wah? Probably. Probably. Uh, had I had I a wah picked out? Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was. Uh, I'd have to go for the the. You had to pick a wah, but first I, give me your fourth pedal. Okay, my fourth pedal is the uh, EVH uh, phaser pedal. Really? Uh, because I've been looking at demos of this. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It can kind of do everything because you can do basically through settings. You can essentially make it sound like a chorus. You can make it sound like a flanger. Just basically used really well. It just seems really versatile. I just I, I watched uh, Philip McKnight. Uh, he's a guitar gear nerd of the highest order on YouTube. Uh, in that video of the four pedals you should own on your board, and he talks about that MXR, and it's really really nice. Wow, that's amazing. We should get him on the show. Have him, you know. He's so passionate. <laughs> so consistently. And he has all these Q&As and they're all like 40 minutes long. And he's maybe like 30 of them. I'm like, man, you just wow. love gear so much. Yeah. And for the record, my wah was the uh, the Dunlop Dimebag Crybaby wah. Oh, okay. Why specifically that one? I mean, we, we all know that you, you love the Dimebag bag. Why, but particularly, why that one? I think there's a few things. I remember uh, that John Frusciante. It was his touring wah. Really? Uh, on, on the yeah, for the uh, for some of the last Chili Peppers tours he did, uh, he found it to be. He used it in the studio and on his tour, uh, and it was a big thing for him. And I don't know. I just it's just you know if it's Dimebag, it's going to be good. You know he he uses wah better than a lot of people would. So I think it'll be good. But, there, but that said, there are so many signature was to choose from. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, 
the real McCoy was. I think I've talked about them in the past. Like if I yeah. had a, a, a one, it would be that one. They're, uh, what is it, the RMC3 that has all these adjustable controls. You can adjust the crack, uh, the, the quack, I'm sorry, the crack. <laughs> the quack. <laughs> the quack of the Y. You've got. Is that the, what it's called? Yeah, they actually, it, it's called the quack. It's a, they, the, they call it a Q adjustment, but the Q stands for quack. It's that quack, quack. If, uh, if you were talking to anybody else and you said, I'm adjusting the quack on my wah, they'd, they'd just <laughs> look, you know, walk away slowly. Yeah, be like, oh, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, so those are my four. That's that, some interesting selections there. Very cool. Very cool. I think some of them are, I think for three out of four of them are kind of safe. Yeah. Or at least half of them are pretty safe. But I, I, I don't know that much, John. That's why we have this podcast. So I can learn through you, through your knowledge. Well, I, th- I think it's a mutually shared knowledge exchange. There you go. Yeah. Too many academic the- words. Too many academic <laughs> words. It's mutually beneficial. Um, How's that? Um, speaking of academia, we have uh, a very special guest on our podcast this week. Yes, uh, Professor Sean Young. He's a professor at UCLA who studies Fancy. behavior and habit building. And, and and you turned me on to him a few weeks ago. He did a interview with the on the Art of Manliness podcast, a podcast which we both thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, he has a book out right now called Stick With It. He's going to talk a little bit about that as well. He's a behavioral scientist, which seems a little bit weird for him to be on a guitar podcast but as you know we are about building habits maximizing our time and he's got some really great things in this book that just kind of helped for us to think about how to practice or or how to make a habit out of guitar playing absolutely and he's a musician as well so that kind of helps yeah absolutely he does talk a little bit about that the book is loaded with music examples I think he mentions that as well. But at, at any rate, here's our interview with Professor Sean Young. Okay, Professor Sean Young, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so your, your book, one of the things you outline initially is this idea of different levels of behavior. And I think most of us sort of think of, we have habits and then we have things we want to be habits and that's kind of it. Um, but for, uh, you're, you're, you're trying to get us to understand that there's a much deeper level to all that. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. There, I mean, there's, there are a few things embedded with it um, within the book. You know, for one thing, people are taught if you, can't do something that you want to do if you fail at doing something then it's because you're a failure as a person and you need to change who you are as a person you know that's that's the first thing that i address which is wrong Uh, so science shows that's not true it's not it's not if if we fail at things it's not because we're a failure as a person we just need to tweak little things in our life to be able to to do them um, and, and I give a lot of examples of, of how people are able to do that. Uh, so that's, that's one of the, the first, you know, main take-home points. Um, and then second that you just described, another one is how do we create, how do we tweak those things in our life? Well, there's an actual process of how to do it. And everything else that's been out there that I know of has just said, 
you know, if, if it says change your behavior, it says change, here's how you change your behavior. You become like someone who has a lot of willpower. You become like someone who is more social than you are. You become like this other person and it treats Modeling. behavior like it's all the same thing. Modeling, but literally change yourself. And if you just take on this one characteristic, all your behaviors will fall into place and everything will be great. But, but the reality is, um, you know, it's not that simple. It's, it's not complicated, but it's not as simple as change one little thing and then everything about your life will fall into place. Mm. Um, what I've learned is that there are different types of behaviors. There are three different types of behaviors. And if we understand those three different types of behaviors, then we can use a set of tools for changing each of those three different types. Okay. Great. Would you care to talk, tell us through, it's, um, is it the A, B, and C categories, I believe? Yeah, so, so I call them A, B, and C behaviors, which stands for automatic, burning, and common behaviors. Um, so most people talk about behaviors as habits. You know, they say, I want to change. I have a habit of eating too much. I have a habit of not going to sleep on time. I have a, um, I have a bad habit of, you know, of uh, not practicing. This is music. Of, I have a bad habit of, of not practicing my scales and just wanting to, to uh, go straight to the song, right? Um, Talk so, in our language. <laughs> so the, but we use the word habit and, and it's been fine so far the way we use it. But what I try to do is say habits are actually a behaviors. Habits are automatic behaviors, things we do automatically without even our awareness of doing them. So, so to the extent that we're forgetting to practice our skills because we're not even aware that we're doing it, that would be a habit. But if, but if we just, if we have a bunch of friends around and we want to be able to perform or entertain them, we're not forgetting to practice our skills. We're consciously doing it. So it's not a habit. It's a different type of behavior. It's what I call a C behavior. And there's a different set of tools for changing that. So hmm. A behaviors are unconscious behaviors like um, I'm forgetting to stand up straight. Um, B behaviors are burning behaviors, which are things that we're aware of what we're doing, but we feel like we can't stop them. Like compulsively checking my email when I wake up in the morning or checking my phone or hmm. a text message. And C behaviors are things that are more motivational. Um, they're, I want to, um, you know, I want to practice playing a, a song 50 times. I mean, I know I should be doing that and that'll get me to be able to, to learn the song much better, but I just get bored of doing it or I want to play a different song or whatever it is. Um, and so I can't get myself to stick with that. That's a C behavior. We're aware of what we should be doing and are doing but other things come up that stop us from doing it. So in the process of uh, changing those things, um, maybe it's changing habit, or in this case, you know, we're, we're trying to discipline ourselves to work on scales or work on a particular song, or maybe even just part of a song. Um, does, this, does that change what category a particular behavior might fall into? Uh, yes, yes. So if it's in the book, so, um, so the book's called Stick With It, and in Stick With It, there is a figure which 
says, you know, here's how to determine whether something's an A, B, or C behavior. And really, mm-hmm. the what I talk about in the book is it's a pretty simple two-step process if you want to change behavior. Step one, figure out whether something's an A, B, or C behavior. Step two, use the tools or what I call forces. There are seven of them for changing that type of behavior. So in the book, people can find a, a figure which actually shows um, and helps people to identify whether it's an A, B, or C behavior. Some behaviors will fall into A, others B, others C. And then once you know that, then there's another figure that'll show you which of the forces are needed to change that type of behavior. Great. God, that sounds great. Yeah, so as we're kind of applying this to to guitar and guitar practice and things, there were a couple of things that kind of came to mind to each of us as we went through the book. And and one of the big things that I really appreciated was this idea of step ladders. It's it's really the first thing you you talk about in the book. This this concept of of setting steps and goals and dreams. Um, I, I think is is that correct? Did I get the order of those correct? You got it. You okay. got, yep, exactly. Cool. But one of the things that really caught my eye was this idea that we usually make our steps too big. Can you kind of elucidate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so someone who I ran into at the market, um, and he he was a cross-country runner in high school, and um, but it had been 15 or 20 years, 15 years or so since then. Um, and he decides he wants to run a marathon. He hasn't trained for the marathon, uh, so he's, but, but he ran cross country in high school. He knows how to run distance. He went off into the military, um, you know, was in intelligence and, and did a lot of intense training. He definitely is a strong-willed person. And he thought, you know, based on knowing how to run and being a strong-willed person, I can run this marathon. And Actually, surprisingly, he got to mile 19 without any training, but then he just collapsed. Then he collapsed, and he said, you know, I'm probably not, I didn't finish that. I'm probably not going to run another marathon since. Wow. Um, or in the future. Fair. So, so, yeah, I know I could not do that. I could not run a marathon without training. It would take me months of practicing. And, and I think that example intuitively makes sense to us, where – we often plan to do things that are way more difficult than we're able to do. And we need to be able to plan things in small steps. Um, Mm. But the, you know, the marathon example makes sense, but we often do that in our own life with so many things. We can Mm. laugh at the marathon example, but we do that in our own life. I mean, um, in music. So I give an example in the book about when I was in college and, um, and studied Indian percussion tabla with a music teacher there. And I mean, I went in there, I was, so I was ethnomusicology major. I got to be able to study with these amazing instructors from different parts of the world. And I was in different bands. And all I was thinking was, I want to be able to take these instruments and just bring them back to the bands or jam or play with other musicians and get on stage and do it. And, and uh, I arrived there and learning there was so much discipline that went into learning the just the way that you move your fingers on the tabla and so we were told play this repeating four bar pattern um play it over and over and over 
you know, and, and a week into it, and there, there were four of us in the class. It was, it was amazing. The four of us in the class are all, um, you know, more Western musician people. And, and, and we were asking the teacher, when, Abhiman, when are we, let's, when are we going to, you know, actually sit down with some sitar players or some other people? When are we going to be able to play? And he said, um, you know, in, in India, we would play the same patterns by ourselves for two or three years before oh even playing God. with sitar wow. players. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to do that to you because I know you guys are, but, but just keep in mind that the, the, um, you know, the way that you play and you develop your sound and the, the process matters so much and you're thinking such long term and that's why so many people quit because um because they don't have the they're they're constantly just thinking about the the only thing that matters to them is getting up on stage or playing with with the other musicians and and what really mattered for successful tabla players is breaking things up into really small steps and being excited about the ability to master your finger patterns and work like that. Oh, man. Um, and so, so, but, but intuitively it makes sense to say, plan things in small steps. And to a lot of people, uh, um, you know, to me at the time, sitting down with a sitar player is a small step or was a small step. I wasn't thinking I was gonna be a master like my teacher but just I could play some of these patterns and at least, you know, fake it a little bit. And to me, that was a small step, but it wasn't small enough. Mm. So how do we know how small really small is when, you know, how do we know? And so in the book, there's a figure that I provide where I break it up, like you said, into steps, goals, and dreams. And I really quantify it. A, a dream is something that takes more than a few months to be able to accomplish. Um, a goal is something that's one to three months or so. A step is something that takes a week or less than a week. So just learning the basic finger patterns and learning it right, that would be a step. Um, you know, I, but then, you know. Interesting. You, you even mentioned finger patterns. Obviously, guitar is all about patterns. And as a teacher, I have so many students that will come in and, you know, they want to play a slash solo or something like that mm -hmm. and you can't even play a scale <laughs> like your fingers won't play <laughs> the slash solo if you can't even play the scale so i think it's i think it's interesting that the this one there's that correlation between the tabla and the and and just the the guitar but being able to to break it down to the little technical things and just say like master this one exercise master this technique and then um, and then move on from there. That's, um, that's a really small step that I think a lot of times we, we miss, we set our sights past that. Yeah, I remember, I mean, in, in music teachers, you do this intuitively, right? I remember my first, um, I had, I trained myself on bass, um, initially, for a while and then I when I first went to my first music teacher for electric bass you know I'd already been playing my brother is a guitar player so I'd already learned a good amount and could go straight into a song but the first song that my music teacher taught me um, was uh, he said um, Creedence CCR Creedence Clearwater Revival the, um, or the remake of Down on the Corner 
um, where the bass line is just do 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 do. Do 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 Very, very simple. Um, actually, it's funny. It reminds me of, I remember reading something of, as a bass player, Flea was my, you know, Flea was my, uh, my uh, model. And I remember him telling me his first, or him writing that his first bass lesson was, he was told to learn the Eagles. Um, and he said, I walked out and I never, and I never uh, played that again. But uh, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so I learned um, Creedence Clearwater Revival. I learned Down on the Corner, and I was able to practice that and practice that, and then play with my brother who played it on guitar. Um, but that was having already known, knowing how to play notes and generally scales that was one of the first songs and it was a very simple one and so you know good teachers intuitively know give something to someone that's very easy to do right yeah right break it up um, Sean, can I ask about the, um, the the importance of environment? Is a big um, go, you know part of your book. Could you could you elaborate a little bit on that for for sticking with things under the importance of environment? Yeah, environment is that you could see the book is just overall describing the importance of environment. Each each chapter is broken into. Uh, well, I'll step back. So there, like I said, there are two steps. Um, there's a, it's a two step process for behavior change in the book. Step one, figure out whether something's an A, B, or C behavior. Step mm -hmm. two, use the tools or forces needed to change those behaviors. Um, and so in Stick With It, there's a figure for each of those things. And, and to make it easy to remember the different seven forces, I use the acronym SCIENCE, um, where each one of the letters of the word science is a different one of these seven forces. And, um, and so, so we go through and, and describe the, the seven forces and how they can be used. And many of these seven forces really are about our environment. So um, E, which stands for easy, that's make things easy for you. If you live in an environment that makes it easy for you to do something, you're going to keep doing it. If you, um, if you live with your bandmates, you're going to be more likely to practice if yeah. you don't. And if you're, um, you know, I remember with, there was a, a band that I was in where one of the bandmates, he was, um, he was going through, this was when I was in grad school. Um, I wanted to get back into playing music um, and, <laughs> and met some guys online. And, you know, I was used to just now playing music by myself. I met some guys online and we started playing, we're having a good time. And then one of the guys was going through a divorce. Um, and it just, you know, he was, we weren't living together, obviously, and he was struggling. And, and so it did not make it easy for us to keep on rehearsing and keep on playing. Whereas um, back in college, when we were in a band and we were traveling around and we were having band practice every day, um, it makes it, and the singer lived on the same block that I lived, it makes it much easier to keep on playing. So that's an example of how environment makes a big difference in um, whether we'll keep doing things. And there, so E is, is easy, but that's just one example. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of other ones in there that also C stands for community. If we're doing things with other people, um, if we're using our social environment, that's another way that environment really impacts um, whether we'll do something or not. Cool, that sounds great. And um, one of the worst pieces of advice I remember getting when starting to learn guitar was always keep your guitar in its case when you're not using it. And that, <laughs> it's just it's just the worst piece of advice ever because, you know, if it's in the case, it just takes that little bit of extra effort to take it out, but you're not going to unless it's accessible at all times. Um, exactly. So that's, that's is, it, is it, I don't know if this is true, but I remember my brother telling me, you know, years ago, um, Jimi Hendrix used to sleep with his guitar. Um, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's uh, exactly if you wake up with your guitar you know you're gonna and I have so so now I'm mostly just playing music by myself but I have all especially on Saturday mornings where Saturday is is really the day where I just um, I have kids and I'll, I'll play music to them every day but I have a ukulele it's easier than taking the guitar out of my case. I have this little ukulele and I'll put it next to my bed and just pick it up when I wake up and then can go play music for them. It makes it easy to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Accessibility. Yeah, I, I, I really like the idea of just easy and finding little things that you can do <laughs> to just make it, to, to make it easier for you. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's one of the big takeaways I, I got from the book is find the little things that whatever it is, take your guitar to work or something, you know, just, uh, I, especially, I think if you, if you have to, this was speaking from my own experience. Like if, if you drag that thing to work, you feel really guilty not doing something mm. that's there. So. The other thing about that, that I really like, so spend, you know, if you work at a music studio, this is going to be less so, but if you work right. at a corporate, you know, if you work at a corporate place and you're bringing your guitar in, um, it activates what I call neurohack. So that's the N in science. Right. And neurohacks, so typically we're taught to think if you want to change your behavior, it starts with your mind. If you want to practice playing guitar and do it more often, just tell yourself, I'm going to play guitar every day. But that doesn't work. It's really hard to get our mind to change our behavior. It's actually the other way around. Our behavior changes the mind through um, what I call neurohacks. So if you start bringing your guitar to work, what it's going to do is you're going to get a bunch of people asking you, what is that? What's in the case? Um, you're going to have to show it to people. You're going to be known as the guy bringing your guitar to work. You're going to be known as the guy who loves guitar so much that he brings it to work. And it's going to create a set identity for you that you are a guitar, you know, you are a real guitar player because you bring it places where no one else brings their guitar. And that's a neurohack, and it will reinforce your playing. We have a friend of ours who works at, he works in corporate, he works in Amazon, and he mm -hmm. brings his guitar like with him on the bus every day to work back and forth for his like 10 hour day. And, awesome. but it's, it's, it's so great. I, I, that's such a, just a good, a good advice, really. Um, have, you, have you interviewed many creatives for, uh, for the book? I interview um yeah so i'm trying to think i mean there are a lot of stories like i mentioned there's there's some music stories um i talk about my own experience in there um with uh guys who were in a band called zero which 
which ultimately turned into Lincoln Park. Um, cool. And uh, and uh, yeah, there there are a lot of examples in there of of uh, different musicians and artists and people. Excellent. Well, that sounds, that sounds great, Sean. Um, thank you very much. We won't we won't take any more of your time. It's been really. Where can people find you and and your work? Yeah. So I'm I'm a associate professor. I'm a medical school professor at UCLA. Um, this is, you know, everything that I've talked about right now has been more tailored toward music, but, but for my day job, what I do is actually applying this work um, with technologies to address public health problems in the world and medical problems. So we work on um, how to stop addiction. There's an opioid crisis right now. We're working on how we can develop tools to stop that. We try to get people to get tested for HIV and and stop other diseases. Um, we try to prevent crime. So, so they can look me up either at UCLA. I run two organizations. One's called the Center for Digital Behavior, um, and the other is the Institute for Prediction Technology. Um, or on my website, seanyoungphd.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter, same, same Twitter handle, seanyoungphd. And uh, and the book is called Stick With It. And it's available at, um, you know, at your local bookstore or, or online. And, and uh, you know, one thing that's nice about podcasts like this is that um, at the end, I've been telling people, you know, reach out to me. I went into this area because I wanted to be able to help people and pass on this science and, and actually became, I, I, I was interested in music. Um, in part because my favorite musicians were really having an influence on the world. And that's why I have continued doing this with, with research, because I want to have a positive impact on the world. So reach out to me if you guys hear this and you're interested, please connect. And it's, it's been really exciting that I've gotten a lot of responses from other people who've listened to podcasts and said, you know, I've never reached out to an author before, but since you said to do it, I'm doing it. Uh, that's so, that's exactly what we ended up doing uh we heard you on the art of manly <laughs> and it was like hey this, this seems like really applicable stuff and he said to reach out so you know what's yeah in, in trying so thank you so much mm -hmm. for being willing to come on and and to talk music but also just uh different behavioral changes and you're doing some really exciting work i definitely encourage all of our listeners to go out there and check out um just exactly what he's done and he details a lot of it in the book as well so, um, Sean, again, thank you so much for being. Thank you so much, Sean. Really appreciate it. And actually, one so on September 26th, for I believe two days, the publisher is going to have a special drop price where the electronic version of the book is going to go from I think it's like 12 or 15 bucks now. It's going to go to 99 cents, I think. Whoa! On wow. Those, okay. Those couple of days. So. That's the you time. heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sharp that heard it here first. Yep. Great. Thank you. Right. That's great well, information. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Yeah. Take care. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, that was, that was great. That's um, great. Yeah. So a nice guy. Nice guy to have on the show too. So really appreciate it. Thanks, Professor Young. Uh, sorry, still in still in academic mode. You get the. Get you the can call him that. <laughs> I'm sure he loves that. Uh, it, well, he worked hard for it. That's, that's my take on it. At any rate, 
any takeaways, any, any big things that, that really struck you? I really like the, the whole idea of taking massive goals, which you would refer to as dreams and kind of breaking them down uh, into like dreams that the taking forever comes, well, not taking forever, but massive achievements, mm-hmm. breaking them down into kind of goals, like monthly goals, and then breaking those goals down into steps. I think that's a really good way of doing things. Right. It's something that most self-help books will talk about or self-improvement books, but mm. I think he, he does something different where he makes the point that still usually the steps are too big. You know, by the end of the week, yeah. I want to be able to do X. Well, what are you going to do today for five minutes to make sure that you accomplish a five-minute block of whatever? And what I kind of took from that was just sort of being able to say, like, today I'm going to put in 15 minutes of guitar practice, whatever that is, you know, and just being able to say, okay, 15 minutes. And 15 minutes is doable. And I tell this to students all the time. It's just, that's, it's a small chunk of time, set a goal for that 15 minutes. And then by the end of the week, you are playing the guitar solo that you wanted to play, or you are playing the intro to that song or whatever. And, but tiny, tiny steps on a regular basis are what build to uh, bigger success down the road. Absolutely. And then uh, the, one of the big things I took away from it too was just making things easy. Uh, and you mentioned that in the interview as well. Just, uh, but I like having this idea of having your guitar around. Uh, you said the worst piece of advice you ever received was keeping your guitar in your case. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you want to keep it protected, right? But at the same time, if it's out, you're going to play it. If you create any boundary, you're not going to want to do it. Yeah, it's just one more thing where you can look at the case and be like, but if it's sitting there next to you on the couch, you're more likely to pick it up. So, yeah, and I think he talks about it too, where he just, he keeps his ukulele by his bed. So he ends up playing it a little bit every morning. And then on Saturdays, like it's the first thing he does. So yeah, it's kind of a trigger. I'm definitely going to get a copy of that uh, ebook when it goes on cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said he's got a promo code coming out. We'll link that all in the show notes. Um, well, maybe not the promo code, but definitely all his social media, Amazon, et cetera. So you can definitely pick up the book. I definitely recommend it. It's a good, it's a good quick read but there's a lot of really useful material in there as well and some useful anecdotes to make it relatable. It's not all just science and statistics. Absolutely. So bringing it back to actually playing guitar, John, have you been working on anything? Uh, I have, uh, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. just because I have some students coming in with, for whatever reason, John Mayer seems to be really popular with my students at the moment. Uh, He hasn't released <laughs> anything new, but... Uh, he did release something new recently, but it was not well-received. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, because everyone's coming in with old stuff. So, um, like, I'm teaching a student why Georgia. I'm teaching another student uh, slow dancing in a burning room. Uh, mm. um, another one was working on... Uh, I don't know. I think it was bigger than my body. So it's all like older, like continuum and older. Those are the first three, three or four records. I yeah. Guess. So uh, anyway, but I've been having to learn some of this, which is all kind of loosely uh, Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan licks. That's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, but there's enough of a challenge there to make me 
have to spend a little bit of time practicing it before the students come in. So yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's different things. I really like that gravity solo. I think it's as far as phrasing goes, it's really good. Yeah. I'm not a huge John Mayer fan, but to be honest, like I do like the first two albums because they're creative. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're different. And I kind of feel when he started going into the blues thing, it was just kind of like, you sound like a weak Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm. And that's just, I, I even think that his vocal tone really matches Stevie Ray in some ways. It's the way that he pronounces his vowels. Interesting. I would not have thought of that. Yeah, I swear. If, play him side by side or don't. That sound terrible. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the problem. I did actually. I did end up doing that yesterday. I had somebody who who wanted to do the John Mayer song. Uh, I think it was "Slow Dancing in a Burning Room," which has some great kind of little wing esque licks in it and then he, he's winging it yeah and then there was stevie ray vaughn that uh, you know i played voodoo child and little wing his version of it you know and it was just like it was a night and day comparison just, <laughs> it made me so sad like them, inside. Like, <laughs> heavy strings man uh, oh, so good anyway I, what about yourself i have been working on i i made a kind of a list of things at the start of the week because we we've talked before about guitar gold setting Mm-hmm. And what what I've done is I've taken maybe four or five solos that all of varying levels of difficulty, and that I've I've always really wanted to learn, but I've never really taken the time to sit down and I know little bits from them or whatever. So right. uh, you know, my John, as you and I both know, my guitar goal of all time is to be able to play the Get the Funk Out solo by Extreme, but that's uh, way off. That's yeah. that's way off. Uh, it's the tapping. Uh, so I've started doing smaller guitar solo goals. And yeah, so yesterday I sat down and I learned uh, Queen's crazy little thing called Love Solo for the first time. Oh, cool. And uh, Yeah, it's it's a really nice solo. And he just, Brian May goes over the changes so well. I looked at it before, but now knowing what he's doing over what chords makes so much of a difference. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, I think next for me on that list is the You Shook Me All Night Long solo because I've never learned that and I really should have. Yeah. yeah. G minor. <laughs> it's uh, good stuff. It's good stuff. That's cool. So yeah, how many do you have on your list then right now? I have five solos and they're all quite slow, but I have, like yourself, have been a bit out of practice. So what I need to do is kind of build up the, the kind of bending and legato technique uh, again. So yeah. I think nice, slow uh, solos with really nice phrasing. And yeah, I'll probably keep you updated on how that's, how that's going over the next few weeks. Keep us all updated, Dylan. I, 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 <laughs> I always do. Uh, yeah, how about, what have you been listening to? Um, this week has been... Oh man, you just caught me on the hop on that one. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to go first? <laughs> no, uh, give me, give me, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, so uh, what have you been listening to? <laughs> well, I have been listening to a few, I'm going to go see, um, I've mentioned him on the show before, uh, Fionn Regan, he's one of my favorite Irish uh, white guys with acoustic guitars. He's playing in Cork tomorrow in St. Luke's Church, so I'm going to go down and see him. Uh, I, I think he'll by, be by himself, but he's got really, really, really nice finger picking style. Quite complex, quite hard to learn. And I've also been getting into the new national album, which it's hard to tell what's guitar because Desner yeah. Brothers, they just use so many pedals. The, 
I just I feel I listened to the new U2 solo, new two single the other day as well, and it's uh, it it's like remember when the Edge had a guitar tone and then Coldplay stole it, and now it right. sounds like the Edge now it sounds like the Edge has stolen Coldplay's guitar tone. <laughs> it's like a copy of a copy of a copy. Absolutely, but that same tone is still turning up on this national album, like just the drenched in delay and the uh, yeah reverb coming out the wazoo. But yeah, it's it's good. I still like the national or the national release albums that I need to spend some time with. So I'm still kind of soaking that up. Yeah, the um, it, it seems to be the way a lot of the tones are going these days. So uh, I've been listening to just a fair bit of like I've I've got an indie playlist on um, from Spotify, and it's just it's yeah. it's kind of this wash, and it's sort of yeah cross between like a synth and a guitar. But it's not a syntax, and it's not wall a wall of shimmer. It's not a keytar either. So, <laughs> but it's, well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fairly certain that's a good thing. But yeah, it's it, it is. It's is a kind of uh, cascading echoes and delays, and you know this this sort of these swells. So it just kind of it it. You mentioned the national. That's that's an excellent example. And guitar is not. I've heard some people say like guitar is, is dying or a guitar is kind of fading into the background. And it's not that it's fading into the background. It's just, we're changing, changing the way it sounds right now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's going away. I don't think that there's an article that's circulating from the Washington post, which <sighs> have words, words. I, I it's probably not even worth going into right now uh, just because it's, because it's so inaccurate. So anyway, ah, okay. it, it, have you, have you seen this article? I have. Yeah. It kind of opens with, you know, guitars are being sold for like half of what they're worth. And you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's quite dramatic and bold in a statement. And, yeah. And, and they say guitar sales are down, but they don't really tell you who sales or why or anything like that. They just, they're like guitar sales were at this number and now they're at this number. And it's like, well, who, who, who are you using to base that off of? Because there's loads of new guitar companies opening up and there's companies like Chapman that are completely undercutting Fender. I mean, you can, you can get in, I have a student who just picked up an $800 Chapman um, that plays just as good as most U S tellies. So tell oh, me really? why in the world are you going to spend 1500 bucks when you can spend eight and, yeah. and get something that's just as good. So. It's the name. It is, it is, but um, anyway, there's there's a lot of a lot of problems with the article, and I won't go into that now because that's not that's not the section of the, the podcast. Dang it! Because this tangent doesn't need to go any farther, John. Anyway, anyway, um, yeah. So what, are, <laughs> what have I been listening to? Uh, you mentioned Neely Brosh earlier in the podcast, and uh, I spent some time with both of her solo records, and so badass. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and I'll admit, you know, it's it's pretty eclectic, which can make it a little bit hard to listen to um, for some people or to get through the the whole album. But there's one track in particular that I I definitely recommend. So the Alien Alien Hip Hop um, with I'll Virgil Donati. Yeah, with Virgil Donati, it's kind of a mind bender. Um, so I'll probably talk a little bit more about that when we have her on the show, and we'll go from there. But anyway, cool. 
um, I, think, I think that's about us. So yeah. I think, I think we're about done. So friends, check us out in the socials, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all that good stuff. Send us an email. If you have any questions, comments, quandaries, yeah. do leave us a review. It helps us out tremendously. So that's really the best thing you can do to be involved. Leave a review and, I don't know. Maybe there's a prize in it for you at some point. So maybe some point. Maybe it was first. <laughs> some point. Once we once we figure out merchandising or something. So, but yeah, uh, don't skip Pinky Day and all that fun stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cool. Stay sharp, friends. 